Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Kirsten. I think she said we're good. Are we good? Oh, okay. we're good. Kirsten, tell us when. Ready, go. And ready, set, go. Now, you've given me shit because my Whoa. font is so large on my paper today. But this is the Why new Why have me. you printed in six? That's a 16 to 18 point. This is yeah, 14. Yeah, this is the new me. When but I when I printed in, in 14, you laughed at me. I've got all my things together. I'm going first. Well, why have you got a pink and a purple pen, but I haven't seen either of them be put to use? Well, because they're there just in case I need them. They're both erasable. I think I've said this before. I only write with these pens because they're both erasable pens. Because you're worried about making a mistake. You need to commit to the writing. No, because I like my – when I sit in court, I have my iPad – and I have my notepad Yes. and I write certain things on the notepad and certain things go into the iPad and I need everything to be organised. Oh, a friend today yeah. was talking to me about this podcast and she said what I should do and I'm going to do it what? is come to court one day. So you do it every day and you're yeah. used to it. Yeah. I don't. I'm going to come. Why don't you come to a major centre? Yes, I'm going yeah. to. I'm going to come to one. I'm going to shadow you. I'm no, going don't to... come tomorrow. Tomorrow's a shit day. No, not tomorrow. Oh. I can't just be at your fucking call. There's uh, a good murder sentence coming up. Is there? I'm yeah. coming. I'm going to come and I'm going to yeah. watch you working yeah. and I'm going to report on it. On me working. Yes, and I'm going to report I'll tell you what report. me reporting is, right? No, don't tell me. I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you. I, 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 on my notepad, I write things that are definite facts mm-hmm. so that they don't get lost in all the note-taking on the iPad. Gotcha. I, so but I don't on the want notepad, you to explain to me. I'm just going to observe. Then I, and then I stare at the murderer for a long time. Stare. To see, I want you to, to get forget a vibe. that I'm there. I'm not going to sit next to you. I'm going to sit on the other side of the court and just and I watch type you. without looking at my screen. Like while I'm typing, I'm still looking around. Yeah, that's good. I, I do don't that. look at the screen. Yeah, yeah. And then after I run out of the courtroom like a crazy person, I've already texted my cameraman to say it's over, so he's out ready. And then I say that person. We need that person. Can you stop spoiling the future episode? I'm going to report all of this. Oh. When I come to – well, I'm just going to come to court as a person who hasn't been to court in a very long okay, time. Okay, well, next next week there's a really good murder sentence on, so you right. should come to that. Okay, we might. Okay. What story have you got for me? I've got a story about the Roxbury Latin School, which is in Boston, and a program they run called Ave at Q Vale. I don't know if that's right. I just said it with confidence. Are you doing accents? So, no, I'm just – talking normally but saying foreign words. It's a bit offensive. If that was you, it would be Ave Achu Vale. But I just said Ave Achu Vale. Murder. Murder. There could be murder in this. I'm taking my catchphrase. Sorry. The name comes from a Latin poem and its literal translation is Hail and Farewell. Now, the program gathers volunteers from the all-boys school to bury the dead who have no family. Oh. Right. So I actually came across this story while I was researching for the, the, the last episode, uh, the, last episode, the yep. Hutt Island story. So the Roxbury Latin Boys School 
headmaster was inspired by the program because there's actually another school that does this in Cleveland, which organises their students to serve as pallbearers at funerals for people who have been unclaimed and have no next of kin. Oh, I'd hate to be a pallbearer. What if you dropped it? Mm. I don't get it. And they're all wobbly. I've done it once. Weak at the knees. But I only did the short version, just from the hearst to the burial plot. Did you put a T on the end of hearse? Hearse. I did. I said hearst, like cursed. I think a lot Sorry. of people do that. Hearse to the burial plot, not out right. of the, and not out of the church. But I do love covering stories where we know a potential murderer is going to that person's funeral and then we film them at the funeral. Yes. And then when they get charged, we use those shots. Yeah, that's good. I've seen that happen many times. There's a murderer the in Melbourne folk. and Every time we do a story, I say to our librarians, get the funeral shots out. Yeah. And I always use them. I was there and saying things like, oh, he had a heart of gold. He would have done anything for you. I did this line. It was a husband who killed his wife. Yeah. And I said, he just mouthed it to me and I I couldn't work it out. (laughs) And I said, he cried while carrying the coffin that he put her in. Oh. Yeah, burn. I who that was. Burn. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I was really happy with that line. Anyway, so without the boys at Roxbury Latin uh, School, these deceased would have no one to accompany them on their final journey. Many would be buried just, well, they are buried in unmarked graves, but the boys take flowers and try to give them a proper send-off. So when there are no family members or volunteers available it, before this program, it was just people from the funeral home mm-hmm. that used to go and carry these people to their final resting place. The local funeral home manager, Bob Lawler, said after doing this for 42 years, he appreciates the effect um, that it has on these students, such as 17-year-old uh, senior Noah Peel. Mm-hmm. He, uh, his first funeral that he was pallbearer for was for a man called Nicholas Miller who died alone uh, in the street and no next of kin could be found. He said, that was my first real moment presented with death in some form before me and I was kind of at a loss for words at the time. He said, I've never met Mr Miller before but even within that situation I had some kind of a connection with him and I could feel that. I forgot to tell you. I was at a funeral a couple of days ago. What? And I sat there thinking, I don't know. It just, it, when you're there, well, I thought this is good that I'm here at a funeral because it mm. makes, I, I need to be reminded all the time that what we talk about on this podcast is, sure. it's serious stuff and it can yes. be very affecting for people. And it was, a, it was an old friend who I hadn't seen for some time, mm. but was very fond of him. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, there is a connection. There's that, that moment when you realize you're in the room. With someone. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Are funerals for people who are dead or for people who remain? For those who remain, I think. Same. I think I mostly went. Because it makes us feel better about the world, right? This person, I'll I'll say larrikin, Mm. was a bit of a larrikin. Some people whose dealings with this person weren't the best. Sure. 
but this person was always good to me. And I so I knew that there was a bit of a cloud over his passing right. that some people were going, good riddance. he got his. Yeah. But he was a good person, okay. I think, who just made some mistakes. And so I I mostly went, I think, partly because I, I you know, to say goodbye to him, but for his family to say, and I actually made a point of going up and saying to them, he was always good to me. And yeah. and I appreciated him and and that's nice. I thought, yeah, because you know you can. I think See, you can only. That's that thing again that I was saying in the last you. episode about not just being a good person, but by showing other people that you're a good person. Yeah, true. Um, yes, but I saw that question kind of asked in a vox pop situation when I was watching random things about death, uh, funerals for those who have passed or those who remain. I thought it was really interesting, and we yeah. hadn't really pondered it before. Mm. Uh, so Mr. Lawless said, if I go by myself, I'll bring a book with me and say a prayer. He spoke of another man who died on his own. He was a 54-year-old described as homeless. He drowned in the Charles River. His body had been stored for many months after his death in the medical examiner's office, um, and he was one of hundreds over the years that Bob Lawler, often by himself, had buried. When asked by the Boston Globe... Uh, why mm. uh, he does this, why he feels the need to read a poem, why not just put him in. Yeah, He said, because they deserve to be buried. They shouldn't have to lie there for months on end. This poor guy's been there since July and that had been some time. And I think when he said they deserve to be buried, he means well. Yeah. Mm. So the students, and you can kind of imagine the way these students dress, so navy blazers, the khaki pants that there's something so touching about this. Yeah, the, the, isn't the, it? The, the young people, yes, because they're at the they're, 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 they epitomise life, don't they? Young teenagers. Innocence. Yeah, uh, they carry these plain wooden coffins and they take part in a short memorial. They read together as a group and they say, "Dear Lord, thank you for opening our hearts and minds to this corporal work of mercy. We are here to bear witness to the life and passing of." and they insert name, mm. he died alone with no family to comfort him. But today we are his family. We are here as Aww. his sons. Aww. We are honoured to stand together before him now to commemorate his life and to remember him in death as we commend his soul to eternal rest. Mm. It's really nice, isn't it? Mm. Each of the students are encouraged to read poetry and then they go back on a van and they head back to school. Mm. Uh, one of the students said, I know I'm going back and I'm going to go to school and take another quiz. But all that work, you can get caught up in it. When you kind of get out of that bubble, it can kind of suck you in, but you get perspective on what's really important in life. I agree with that. No, my kids at their school had to do community service mm. amongst all other things. And I think that's so important to teach students, not just the reading, writing, arithmetic, but how mm. to be good people. And Yeah, and yeah. I watched a little documentary on it and it, it is quite surreal and they don't – baby them too much so you've got this funeral director and he kind of lifts up the back of the the, the car and there's the coffin he says right now I want you all to grab onto these you know the side of it and we're going to pull him out now you're going to this end is his feet and we're going to turn him around so he's head first and we're going to head down there and then they're all just kind of like oh okay this is what we're doing and it's like really throw them in there mm. but I think it's good and they've got each other to yeah. support them through it. Yeah. yeah. Some of them may be traumatised for life, but the school can work that out, can't they? Look, they in the documentary I saw it looked like they had consent they forms. They were right. Yeah, yeah probably did. Yeah. 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 Um, 
I've got a doozy of a story for you, and this is about a dead body. Uh, a how doozy. It, how, how it came to be <laughs> a dead body. Doozy. And what this group of people did with it and what they hoped that would happen with the dead body okay. didn't happen. Huh. It's, this is an Australian story. It happened in 1993. Uh, a couple named Ralph and Joan Volmer lived in a town called Antwerp, which is a very small town in Victoria. It's yeah. about 350 k's northwest of Melbourne. Population, 63. Wow. Tiny. No one living there. Not many. Many of those who were living there were fundamentalist Christians. Would you ever live in a town that small? No, I like stuff going on. Same. Yeah. Yeah, curse degrees. Ralph was a pig farmer. Mm. After a hard day working, are you going to do that through the whole thing? I don't know why I did that. Get it out of your system. Come on. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. That's very Naughty. you and not me. Anyway, <laughs> that's happened. After a hard day working with the pigs, Ralph spent his nights reading the Bible. Weird. That's just me. Is going, that oh weird? Are we offending God. people by saying that? Some people you are offending by saying it, but it's look, it's not my. I would rather be watching Married at First Sight or The Footy or something. I read a book of Bible stories. Did you? Yes. <laughs> this is a big story. Hang on. Let me just dip, Wait, let me just quickly do the quick right. thing. Okay. So I read a book of Bible stories oh, that was for children. Stories. I bought it. I oh. bought it on the internet. Kirst <laughs> just so confused by this because I was I was I have to say I was worried I wasn't worried people for some reason kept making reference to Bible stories in everyday life. Oh, like, I see. Yeah, yep. it was a real Sodom and Gomorrah moment. I was like, gotcha. yep. who are they? Yep. What's happening with that? Why don't I know that? And, and then, is there not a Bible stories for dummies? Is there not a Well, <laughs> I wish there was like some really quick YouTube thing I could watch, but there wasn't. And then the lovely Nicholas said to me, how do you not know these stories? Everyone knows these stories. Yeah, and I was Judas like, and they? stuff like that. Yes, yeah. and I was okay. like, no, do they? I don't know if they do. So I bought a book of Bible stories and I read it. I think that's probably a smart thing to do because you would it'd be like, you know, the quick version. Just give me the quick, just cut yeah, to just the chase. To be, I just wanted to know that. Yeah, anyway. give me the stone being rolled away, all that stuff, yeah, and then get you know, straight to it. Yeah, the bloody angel and all that shit. Why is there a random <sighs> cube of... Chocolate. Yeah, there's always chocolate in the studio. Sitting on the floor in the studio. It's this Simon. is a trick because I haven't eaten sugar for a week. Do you remember Simon who I told you who wanted the story about um, human combustion? It's yeah. him. He's mad about chocolate. <laughs> um, I'm guessing it's him. <laughs> it's just a cube. All right, so Ralph's at night. You know, you're looking at internet's things of dead bodies. So am I. He's reading the Bible. Ralph's reading the Bible. Now, he right. took Joan, his wife, to mm -hmm. meetings where others would read from their Bibles and they would rant about the wickedness of the world. It was all Satan's fault. Sure. Ralph started to notice something a bit odd happening with Joan, who, who was 49 at this oh. stage. She was behaving strangely. She was oh. dancing around outside. Yep. Her arm, arms were sort of flailing around above her head. She was <gasps> swearing loudly. I saw. Nobody in particular. What? What? I'm ruining this story. Well, stop it. Did you see my Instagram story? No. Of the people dancing outside my Pilates class? What? <laughs> no. Yeah, so here I am, bloody one leg back, trying to get abs or whatever I was trying to do, and I look out the glass windows into the park and there's two people flailing about in the park. Doing what? Just flailing well, about. Well, that's what Joan was doing. And they, I couldn't understand what the F they Was it they Tai Chi or something? Were they doing no. that, that Chinese look, dance that they do? Look. Oh, that's weird. 
That is odd. That is odd. That is odd what they're doing. And I kept filming them and getting closer and closer. And they're apparently there every weekend. They're not talking at all. They're jogging on the spot and doing weird stuff. And they're not listening to any music while they're doing that. That is odd. Anyway, so they were do- they're doing what Joan's doing. Okay, yeah? Joan, she's swearing loudly at nothing in particular. She's walking around the kitchen, knocking things off the shelves. Oh, Joan. Ralph said that Joan, his lovely wife, was acting like a prostitute. What? And then he said she took on the physical form of a pig and a dog. Hold on. She took on is the Is she pers- mad or is he mad? Uh, let's see. He's mad. She took on the personality of a sheep shearer. According to Ralph. What's that? A person who shears sheep. Yeah, but what's that You're personality? Aussie. I don't know. That you G'day, go, mate, there you go. Hey, something like that. Oh, you seen a sheep? I've got to shear yeah. it. Where's me clippers? How, quick, go <laughs> the shears, boys. What's the personality boys. of a sheep quick, shearer? Quick. I don't know. He's wearing a blue singlet and sweaty. Yeah, right. And odd. So Ralph decided, with all of this evidence mm. that he'd been watching Joan, that her body had been possessed by demons. Mm. So first he tried to Strong get rid of her. It's very odd. He got tried to get rid of the demons. He locked her in the basement. That'll that didn't it. work. So mm. he tied her to the bed. Mm. But Joan screamed throughout the night, as I would if somebody tied me to the bed, sane or otherwise. Correct. So he decided the demons were still in her. Right. So he called his neighbour, a woman called Leanne Reichenbach, and the two of them got a 78-year-old spiritual leader by the name of Lee. It's either Lee or Leah. Where do you find a 78-year-old spiritual leader? In this town where they're all Bible bashers. It's either Lee or Leah Clugston. They got Leah Clugston on the phone to tell them how to to rid a human body of evil spirits. You could probably Google it. Yeah, (laughs) 1993. There was internet then, but um, I don't reckon they had – they probably would have had dial-up. Yeah. Wasn't that annoying? Dial up. Between them all, so we've now got three people working on the case, uh, they decided that ten separate demons were in control of Joan's body. So they started an intense prayer session. They tied Joan to a chair at one end of the room with pairs of her own stockings. They read the Bible to her. They then quizzed her about what they'd just read to her. If she got a question wrong, they slapped her. They wouldn't give her any food or water. Uh And when she tried to close her eyes, they pried them open so the demons would have to confront the Lord. Right. They tried carrying out a holy communion. I'm not religious, but I do know that that usually involves wine and the yes. communion wa- com- communion wafer. They didn't have either of those, so they used Ribena and toast. I love both those things. I, l- I have Ribena every morning. It's my first thing what? every single day. Ribena? Yep. It's full of sugar. I know it is, but then I don't have sugar for the rest of the day. You have Ribena every morning? Every single morning. For the Is Ribena a worldwide thing? Or yes, is it, it just is. in Australia? By appointment to Her Majesty the Queen. Oh, it's one of those. It's one of those. Oh. Eh. There's other blackcurrant ones, but I love Ribena. Wow. So Joan was putting up a violent struggle still. This poor woman. Uh, Ralph and Leanne Reichenbach called in another member of the church, a guy called David Klingner. He tied Joan up with more pairs of stockings. Mm. He slapped her face to summon the demons. And this torture went on for three days. And the three of them... Is at any point she's saying, I'm not a demon? Yes, she's arguing, she's screaming, she's... Okay. But they're taking that as the demons are screaming. Right. They don't think it's her. So they're crazy. Yeah. Got you. Uh, they decided that after three days they'd gotten rid of all but two 
stubborn demons, two strong male evil spirits they decided. Now, to get rid of those, on day four, they brought in another guy, a 22-year-old greenskeeper at the local golf course. Oh, Young fellow named Matthew Nusky. Everyone's there. If the postman came past, he'd probably get right. roped in for it. Uh, Matthew Nusky's mother had claimed that he had a God-given ability to exercise demons despite the fact that he'd never actually done so before. Now, this young Nusky guy had apparently been suspicious of Joan from the first time they met a couple of years prior to this. She wouldn't join in singing hymns at the local meeting. Oh. See, this could so easily be me because if I you dragged me to the local meeting where they're singing hymns, yeah. I would have cracked the shits. I don't do it at funerals either. He said her eyes were rolling around in their sockets, which mine would have been. I would have been rolling my eyes going, can I... Get out of here. There's always that thing about singing hymns where there's that one auntie that, like, has to show that she doesn't need the booklet. Yeah. And she just folds it in two. And has a fine vibrato. And she talks and she sings louder than everyone else. And she makes sure people are looking while she's folding it in two. Don't need that. And then she starts just singing, oh, the Lord and the Saviour. And you're just like, Auntie Barbara, shut up. Shut up. I come every week. I've got this. Yeah. Oh, so he reckons because her eyes were rolling at these meetings. I think her eyes were rolling because she's like, oh, my God, they're doing up. this again. Oh, no, no, at the meeting. This right. is way back two yes, years yes, ago yes, when yes. he started to get suspicious of it. Um, he said later on down the track, he said that someone outside the Christian world might have called what was wrong with Joan schizophrenia or something like that. I was going to say schizophrenia. Exactly. One night, apparently, she walked out of one of their prayer meetings at 11pm and she was found three kilometres up the road. Again, me. I would have been out of there. Yeah. Joan spent a lot of time working in her greenhouse and her garden. She loved gardening. Mm. And this young Matthew Nusky decided that that was where she was worshipping Satan. Oh, of course. So he told the group, there's a whole gang of them now, to destroy all of Joan's possessions, including knocking down her garden beds and smashing the greenhouse with a hammer. He then blessed some olive oil and Mm. ordered all the members of the group to douse themselves in it. Mm. Then... I can't do it without laughing. Oh, no. I'm going to try not to do laugh. Do you want me to read it? Because it's so – no, 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 I'm not upset. I just – it's it's beyond funny. And But I don't – this is not a funny story. No, because this woman is in trouble. Uh, she is in such trouble. This is four okay. days in. I will not judge you if you laugh. Go. He then, no, I won't. It's, the moment's passed. He then got – feel free uh, – got a box of Glad Wrap and wrapped the entire house in Glad Wrap seven times and over the roof – so that spirits couldn't get drawn into the house by all the activity that was going on in there. So the house is now glad wrapped. They've had their Ribena, they've had their toast, they've covered themselves in olive oil. Like a pest control situation. It's awful. How much glad wrap did he get? A lot. Must have been the catering pack that I get at Costco. Lasts forever. I love it. So, you know, my dad and I once, Papa Vella and I, we were looking at the bulk glad wrap. Yeah. Sitting on the bench. And I said... How long do you reckon that's going to last for? Dad goes, years. Yeah, you, I said, get, years. you get ages out of I said, it. So years. Yeah. So we wrote a date on it Yeah. because we just got it. We wrote a date on the bottom. And? And then when it was finished, we made a point of looking at the date. It was like three years later. Wow. Yeah. That's it's... the crazy shit that happens in the Vela household. <laughs> stare at the glad wrap you and wonder guys how long is that going to last? Crazy, yeah, crazy, not crazy. Not like this house. That's as crazy as we get. 
Matthew Nusky identified the demons living inside Joan as the spirit of filth. He said, mm. so it's no longer two blokes in there, it's a mother and daughter demon named Princess oh. Joan and Princess Baby. And there's another one in there called Legion, which was like a multitude of powerful demons. Right. Uh, things then got very violent. He mm. beat Joan again and again across the head. He smashed her into the wall. He made the others sit on her. Mm. By this stage, you can imagine, this is four days in. She's she had no dead. food or water. She was weak. She was begging them to stop. They moved her body into the bedroom for one final exorcism. There's now a group of five of them. They sat on her stomach, they crushed her internal organs. I think they thought that the demons were in her womb and they were trying to sort of push it up through her body oh. so it would come out of her mouth. They So they're putting this enormous body weight on her um, and then they put this incredible pressure on her neck and the pressure on her neck caused her to start having a heart attack. Now, Ralph Vollmer, her husband, said that when they finally released the hold on her, she was hissing and frothing and he says the demons came out with a groan. Yeah, because she was dying. And I think that would have been what we hear others refer to as a death rattle. All the time, Joan was struggling and kicking and calling for help. Um, in reality, what was happening was the pressure on her neck was so intense, the thyroid cartilage had been fractured. This was later sure. determined through an autopsy, uh, which caused her to suffer a fatal heart attack. So at the moment that Joan died, Ralph was clamping her leg between his legs. He was pushing down on her arm. Nusky was holding down her right arm. Just the image of... People holding down, like I, that's horrible, my nightmare to be it? held down and pinned somewhere. Um, Klingner was holding her eyelids open and had his thumb in her mouth and was pulling down hard oh. on her lower jaw. Reichenbach was pressing fingers onto Joan's tongue and using her legs to pin Joan's legs down. And Klingner later told the police that a couple of groans came out of her. She had this hideous expression on her face. All her, you know, sort of cheeks were sucked in and her chin and face turned a real bright purpley colour and then went all white in a matter of seconds. So poor Joan Volmer died after four days of torture, torture and as she slumped to the ground, the group, Rejoiced, they cheered, and they waited for her to come back to life. It reminds me of a quote from a Mel, from a Victorian judge who's now retired, but he still presides over cases in the reserves, and he said it in his farewell speech, it never ceases to amaze me how people come up with new and creative ways to kill each other. Yeah. Yep. You know? It's interesting what the judge's findings are. We'll get to that in a second. You're right. Um the group were happy with their work because mm -hmm. they real they thought the demons sure. are out. But she's dead. And yes, but they thought she would come back to life without right. the demons. Oh, got you. So Ralph said that the day after she stopped breathing, she felt quite stiff and cold and a strong odour filled the room. This happened, by the way, in January, in the middle of summer in Australia. It's about forty degrees Celsius, which is over a hundred in the old money. Right. Um uh, so this is the height of summer. This is a body that's been tortured. Yeah, you can Wonderful. imagine what the situation was. Um, they waited. They prayed over the dead body for two days. And Leah Clugston, who was the older spiritual advisor they'd spoke to about the exorcism, arrived at the farmhouse and told them that she had received word from the Lord that she should place her hands on the body which at this stage was bloated and starting to decompose. Mm. She put her hands on Joan's forehead and said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. 
and then she says the Lord told her to go home. She called a local Baptist minister who arrived to find the group calmly having lunch while Joan's body was being attacked by flies. The minister then phoned a doctor, a bit late, who then called the police and soon the media heard about it as well. And Ralph, welcome to the media. He told the journalists that God had made a promise that Joan would rise on the day of the funeral. Someone had put a card next to her grave that said, hope to see you soon. Um, Ralph made all the funeral arrangements and he requested that the coffin be uncovered so Joan could hop out when she came back to life, but the authorities denied his request. Um, Ralph made sure the media were all there and as they lowered her body into the ground, there was just a point where he realised she wasn't coming back. Right. And he started to cry and he was confused and he was angry. So soon after that happened, the police stepped in, charged all four of them, Volmat, Nusky, Reichenbach and Klingner with manslaughter. All of them admitted what they'd done to Joan and they said that it would have seriously injured a normal person, but they were not dealing with a normal person. They were dealing with evil spirits. The trial started on September the 27th, 1994 in Horsham. It took 45 days. They all carried their Bibles in with them. And when old Leah Clugston took the stand, she had apparently it was quite theatrical. She had a bit of a fit on the stand, oh. pretending to be possessed and shuddering. And she claimed that the Lord was pouring power through her. Um, the court was told during the trial or the yeah during the hearing that two years before the incident, Joan Volmer had been treated for what they called hypomania at Ballarat's Lakeside Mental Hospital. And when she left in 1990, they said she was cured. She was given drugs to take, but she had gone off her medication. Sure. So she obviously did have some sort of mental illness, but she wasn't being medicated for it Mm. at the time that they pounced on her. Um, The judge accepted that the killers did what they did, honestly believing that it was for Joan's own good. He said their belief was that she was possessed by demons and that explained their actions, but it didn't excuse them. Uh, Leanne Reichenbach got the heaviest sentence, four months for manslaughter and false imprisonment. Four months? I see you frowning. A tells me you don't have Botox and you're just naturally beautiful and B, (laughs) that you're shocked by that. Four months? Uh, David Klingner got three months for the same charges. Matthew Nusky, the young greenskeeper, was found guilty of false imprisonment and received a suspended sentence. And Ralph Vollmer, Joan's husband, was convicted of false imprisonment and reckless injury. He also received a suspended sentence and he served no jail time. They appealed their sentences, but the appeals were thrown out. So Ralph left the farmhouse and it sat abandoned for two decades. Teenagers would dare each other to go in there and have seances and stuff. Ralph moved to Queensland to live his life with his new wife. And today Antwerp sits with a grain silo, a community hall, just a few houses, not much. Uh, Joan Volmer's relatives denounced Ralph Volmer and his religious cohorts. They said that Joan had never been religious before she died at the hands of the group. Isn't that hideous? I want to go there. To Antwerp. There's nothing there. I don't, I don't even know if the house is there. Yeah, it the did sit there? there a very long time, empty. Mm. Mm. Um, can I make a quick recommendation quickly? Yes, you um, may. If you haven't watched Afterlife, you should definitely watch Afterlife. Is that the one with Ted Danson? It is the one no, – Kirst is losing her shit because she knows how good it is. <laughs> it's actually – Nicholas – sorry, it's Afterlife. Ricky Gervais wrote it. He's in it. Oh, that one. He does yes, everything. I have. I've started watching it. It is incredible. It's it so is all good. about death, but it is so funny. What about so when he's going am- past the school? Oh, and don't say anything because people might watch it. Why? Because people are going to watch it. 
It's so amazing. Can I just and, say the little ginger boy? That's my favourite line. Oh, I love that. And it is exactly what we do on this podcast. It's all about death, yes. finding the funny side, and uh, there's a lot of swearing in it. So if you don't like the C-U-N-T word, then don't probably oh, don't yeah, watch it. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. that. Good recommendation. Absolutely with you on it 100%. Yes. Have you ever seen a dead body? We'd like to hear your story. Deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.